Do you remember math in elementary school when it was brand new to you? I know that was a few minutes ago, but just go back in your brain, if you can, to math in elementary school when all of it was just brand new. I can remember if Billy has two apples and you give Billy two more apples, how many apples does Billy have? Those things used to frustrate me to no end. I hated word problems. I'm like, I don't need the story. I don't want the story. Just give me the numbers so I can figure out the right answer and get on to recess. I mean, that's just what, I mean, I, I don't need to know all of that. It didn't make any sense to me. The word problems, I don't know if you were a word problem kind of person, but it's kind of got lost on me. I mean, it might as well have said, if Billy has two apples, you give him two more. What color are his shoes? I'm like, I don't know. Here's the deal. I don't know this Billy, <laughs> and I'm not sure why he needs four apples. He can't eat them all, right? It just doesn't make sense. And, and, it, and at some point, I began thinking that thought that I think all of us thought at some point in math class, <laughs> especially as we got older and, and we got into more complex math, you know, algebra, right? And you're solving for N. What is N? I don't have an N. Right? I know that's what the word number starts with. Maybe that had something to do with it, but then you're solving and I'm like, I don't know. We 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 had all we all had this thought. Here's the thought. Am I ever gonna use this? Am I ever gonna need this? I mean, when am I possibly gonna need to look for an end in my life, right? Uh, and and oh I, I probably will never meet Billy. And so I, I'm not quite sure what this, and, and then you grow up, and if you pause and take inventory of what it is you really do during the day, you realize, heck, I use this stuff every day of my life without even realizing, even algebra, because the reasoning, no, you're not looking for an end, nobody's end is lost, but you know, kind of thing, it's just the reasoning ability, yes, we use this every day, huh? Now, we're starting a brand new series today called Owning It, talking about what Jesus said about money. And in case you're already thinking, I'm not really sure that I need this. Let me explain why we're doing this series. Interestingly enough, Jesus taught on the subject of money. Other than the kingdom of God, he taught on the subject of money more than anything. Now, we did a whole series a couple months ago on the kingdom of God. Other than the kingdom of God, which was the context for everything Jesus came to talk about, really. He taught on the subject of money more than anything else. That's significant. That is not coincidental. That is not accidental. You've got to assume that that is on purpose. And if you're thinking, why do I need this? And will I ever use this? Just like Elementary school math, Jesus knew we would use this every single day. Every day of your life. You think about money, you deal with money, you spend money, you try to save money, you try to find money, you think about needing money, you dream about wanting money, you really dream about having money, right? Money, money, we're, we're thinking about it all the time. And Jesus knew this, so that's why he talked about this more than almost anything else. He knew, he, he knew we would need it 
daily. And, and furthermore, as followers of Jesus, right, which most of you would say you are, and if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're just here kind of checking it out, great, we're glad you're here, um, and we welcome you. But most of the people here, you would probably assume, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, yeah, most people here are Christians and they follow Jesus, so especially as followers of Jesus. Wouldn't it just make sense that we would want Jesus' take on the thing that we deal with every single day? Money. Yeah, that's why we're doing this series. And at this point, uh, some of you are going, great, wonderful. Boy, did I, I know how to pick a Sunday. Yeah, boy, I, I picked a great one to, to be here on this. That's a great, a series on giving. No, 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 wait a second. This is not a series on giving, although we, we're already letting you know that we're giving you money on, on the way out. So, yeah, we've already told you that. No, it's, it's a series about Money, And if you're on a, in, in a mindset right now where you're thinking, well, I'm just going to kind of skip the rest of the weeks and I'll, I'll see what they do next. And I'm just going to click the X button and do my grocery list and that kind of thing. Well, just, just wait. Because this is a series about money and how it affects your life and how it affects your relationship with God and how it affects your relationship with other people. This is huge because as we've already seen, we deal with it every day. And if you're furthermore going, I'm good, I don't need it. Are you sure? Are you sure? One of the interesting parts of my job as a pastor is, um, and, and it's, a, it's something I didn't see coming, but people will come to me and they will confess stuff to me. And it's really weird. And I'm not even Catholic. <laughs> they, they come to me and they confess stuff to me, right? They just start telling me stuff about their spouse, about their kids, about their mother-in-law, right? About their uncle, about, you know, who their neighbor. They just confess to him. From time to time, I find myself in, in conversations where I'm going, la, 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 I don't need to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. You know, I got to pretend I don't know this kind of thing. They just confess. But here, here's something. No one has ever confessed to me. No one has ever, ever, ever come to me and said anything like this. You know, pastor, I am just so dang greedy. Nobody has ever come to me and said, you know what? I am so materialistic. I spend way too much time at Target. At night, it's the same old thing. I get a bowl of ice cream and I surf the Amazon. And there's not even there's no ocean in the Amazon, and I'm surfing, right? And I just can't stop. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about? No one's ever come to me and confessed that. By the way, Amazon, that's an interesting thing, right? About the only place Amazon probably doesn't ship is the actual Amazon. There's food for thought. It's free. I'm telling you, that's the way my brain works. I was a math teacher's nightmare. Right. No one's ever come to me and says, I'm, I'm, I'm just so greedy. I'm so materialistic. So, so most of us don't think we have a problem. And then we see that Jesus talked about money almost more than anything else. And he knows me, and he knows you, and he knows us. Then I think it's safe to assume, with our denial of the issue to begin with, and the fact that he talked about it so much, we can assume that not only... Do we need it? We probably should assume that it applies to us. That's why we're doing this series 
called owning it. What Jesus said about money. And I want to begin with a big statement, a big old statement that I know is a big statement, and it could be kind of like the, the, the big statement for the whole series, really, because um, we're going to be unpacking this for a few weeks in different nuances and layers. But we need to make a big statement up front because money is not just a personal finance issue. It's, it's just not a personal finance issue only. It, money is, is so much bigger than just having it, wanting it, needing it, spending it, and saving it. And trying to earn more of it and get it so you can have it and, and, and spend it and save it and, and all those kinds of things we do with it. It's so much bigger than a financial issue. Money is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue about who and what you serve and trust. More than anything else, it is first and foremost a spiritual issue. This is what Jesus taught, and we're going to see it together. It's a spiritual issue. Especially for those of you who call yourselves followers of Jesus. That just makes sense. Most people have simply no idea the spiritual implications of managing well the money that God has entrusted to you. Most people have simply no idea the heart implications involved of managing well the possessions that have been, been entrusted to you in your life. And most people have, have no idea the spiritual and heart implications of not managing money well. They think it's just a money thing. No, it's not just a money thing it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual issue. In fact, you could almost just summarize it by saying this. Money is never just about the money. It's never just about the money. There's always a spiritual component of this. And let me show you what I'm talking about. I, I want us to go to an excerpt from Jesus' most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' most famous sermon because we have recorded the most from this teaching of Jesus than any other sermon. Like three or four chapters in the New Testament. All together and, and repeated often in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You'll see snippets of it repeated here and there. We've got a lot of, of, of dialogue from this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because he was on a mount. Genius in translators, right? Okay, we got it. And so he's on a mountain talking, you know, a hillside talking because there's no, you know, amplification systems. And so that way everybody could gather below and they could hear his voice would project. So there you go, the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus talked a lot about money, a lot. And so we're going to spend a lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount in the series. And I want to show you today just an excerpt, just an excerpt of what I'm talking about. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Nobody can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. In other words, you got to choose. You got to choose. Now, we see the word master there, and we immediately go somewhere in our minds. And I want to clarify what's going on here. No one can serve two masters. This is not about masters and slavery the way we know slavery in the history of our country and the world. No. When he said masters, everybody in his audience knew then, and you need to understand now because our culture is different than first century ancient world culture. 
When he said no one could serve two masters, when they heard the word master, they knew exactly what he was talking about. He's just describing how their economy worked. You have masters and servants. In our context today, that is employers and employees. More times than not, he's just, when you talk about masters and servants in the New Testament, you see that in the first century context. More times than not, he's not talking about slavery the way we know it. Talking about basically how their economy worked. And, and employers were called masters, landowners, and employees were often called servants. And it was not uncommon for people to have multiple masters, multiple employers, doing all kinds of jobs here and there. But eventually, you have to choose a first position loyalty over everything else. It's because you, know, you can only work so many hours, and this guy's asking to do this, same time this guy's asking to do this. You've got to have to choose. When Jesus said, no one can serve two masters, you've got to make up your mind. You've got to choose. Everybody there in his audience knew exactly what he said. In fact, they're looking at each other going, yeah, that's right, that's right, we know this, we know that. Yeah, absolutely, it just makes sense. That's just the way it works. And then Jesus said something next. That to his audience then must have just seemed out of left field. Like, what, what's this got to do with anything? And, and even to us, it kind of seems like it doesn't fit. No one can serve two masters. It makes sense. Then Jesus goes, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. Like, wait, 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 wait. What, what's that got to do with anything, Jesus? I mean, I'm, I was tracking with you with the whole thing, master servants. I mean, that, I mean, we all know that. We either are all masters or we're all servants. I mean, we get that. It's just the way our world works. But you can't serve God and, and money? And maybe even you and I are going, what, what, what's that about? That's an odd statement. That you would think, you would think that, that Jesus would choose the opposite of God. When he's talking about loyalty, you can't have, you've got to choose. You've got to choose first loyalty, first place loyalty. It's God or something else. You would think that what he would put in the blank of something else would be the opposite of God, right? For instance, you cannot serve God and Satan. Makes sense. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Oh, you can't serve God and the devil. Well, of course not. <laughs> Everybody knows that. You can't serve God and evil. Right? We would think that he would choose the opposite of God, right? When you got to choose, you can't serve God and, but he didn't say Satan. He didn't say the devil. He didn't say evil. What did he say? You cannot serve God and money, 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 money. Money. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Why? Why did he say that? Because Jesus knew something about you, and Jesus knew something about me, and Jesus knew something about us as human beings, that the biggest rival for God and loyalty, first place loyalty for God in our lives is not Satan and evil. You don't struggle. Most of us don't struggle with just being evil, awful people, right? Jesus knew that the biggest rival for God is our loyalty and how preoccupied we are with money. Whew. Man, that's a tough one to swallow. But he was spot on. If you don't believe it, just think. Think about how much time and energy you spend thinking about and dealing with money. How much time and energy? I guarantee you, I'll, I, I mean, I guarantee you, I'm not a betting man, but if, one of those kinds of things, I guarantee you, 
You spend more time in your day and in your week thinking about money, dealing with money, from paying bills to investment to problem solving to all that kind of stuff. You spend more time dealing with money than you do thinking about God, don't you? But don't feel bad because I do too. I do too. Almost as though money has its first is the first place. Almost as though money is our first. It's what we spend most of our time thinking about. Most of our time dealing with. Most of our time doing stuff in regards to. Is money. So Jesus is tapping into something here. And he says, you're going to have to choose what's at the top. You're going to have to choose. First place position, loyalty in your mind, in your life. That affects everything else. And your choice is between God and money. Why did he say that? Because money is a spiritual issue. About who or what you serve and trust. And it's not just about loyalty. It's not just about loyalty. It comes down to who you put your faith in. What you put your faith in. Who or what you actually trust in your life. What's your faith in? Is your faith in God or is your faith in money? What's first place? God or money? And I know all of you would want the answer to be God. And all of you would probably say, well, of course, God. God's in first place. Really? You know, isn't it, isn't it interesting that we put the words in God we trust on the very thing that's the most difficult for us to trust God with? <laughs> Fascinating, huh? You ever thought about that? In God we trust is on money. Money is the hardest thing in your life. Probably you will ever have to trust God with money. I wonder if, if the people who actually came up with the idea, let's put in God we trust on all the currency, and I'm sure this could be traced back. I wonder if they're thinking, this will be a good reminder because we will forget. We will forget. It's so hard because, let's be honest, <laughs> there's an ever-increasing demand for money. Things cost more than they ever have, and it ain't slowing down. Call it what you want. Blame it on who you will. Reality, bottom line, things cost more, right? You've been to the pump? Yeah. You've been to the grocery store? Wow. It increased demand and there's limited supply. There's only, money doesn't go as far. You don't have as much as, I mean, it just doesn't last, right? And here's the other thing that makes it so hard for us to trust. Is that we don't want to be in control of our own money. Don't you want to be in control? I want to be in control. You want to be in control. We all want to be in control because it's my money. We're going to talk about that in this series. And when you are in need, all of this gets exponentially harder. When you're in need and you have unpaid bills and unmet needs and, and you are feeling the pressure, then all of this gets so much more challenging and it's so much more difficult to trust God with it. But yet we would all say, no, I want him to be first. I want him. That's my intention. I know he needs to be. God needs to be first in everything, and that's the filter for everything in my life, even my finances. And I, and I get that money is a spiritual issue. But it's so hard when we have less than we need. And the pressure to provide and dealing with the worry and the fear. Here's good news. Ready for some good news? Here's some good news. You don't have to live held captive to the ups and downs of your needs. You don't have to live held captive to the ups and downs of the economy. You don't have to live held captive to the ups and downs of how your 401k or 401 don't. You don't have to live held captive to the ups and downs of the financial world. 
we can actually live in such a way where we put God as our first place loyalty over our finances and we live putting our faith and trust in him. And Jesus started talking about that as he went on further into this sermon. He continued. He said, therefore, you can't serve both God and money. So, therefore, do not worry about your life. And he gets specific. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you're going to wear. Is not life more than food? And is not the body more than clothes? Again, he's pulling in his audience. These are rhetorical questions that everybody knew the answer. Right? He said, so don't worry. And he knows we, he said it because he knows we all worry. Don't worry about the basic necessities of life. Now, Jesus is not talking about don't worry about whether or not you're going to be able to get that second vacation home. Don't worry about, you know, whether you're going to, you know, be able to trade up for the bigger, better, nicer, newer, whatever. Now, he, he's, he's talking about the basic necessities of life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, shelter, food, clothing, that kind of thing. He said, don't, don't. He, I, I know you get uptight about that, but don't worry about that because what your job is is to put God in first place position over all things in your life and trust him with the rest. He gives two examples. I don't have time to read all this right now, but you read it on your own. Matthew chapter 6 in the New Testament. Read it yourself this week. It's fantastic stuff. But Jesus gave two examples. He said, have you ever noticed the birds? By the way, have you ever noticed the birds? You're like, yeah, we see birds all the time. Birds are everywhere. right? I mean, people tweet. There's birds. We get this stuff. That was a bad joke. Um, he said, have you ever noticed that the birds don't really freak out trying to find food? You've never seen a bird, even the early ones, that get up really early. For the sake of getting the worm. Am I going to get a worm? Am I going to get a worm? Am I gonna? No, they just get up and eat. God takes care of the birds. And God loves you. Just what Jesus said. God loves you more than he loves the birds. God cares for you at a greater level than he cares for the birds. And if God takes care of the birds, don't you think he's going to take care of you? And he gave a second example. He said, have you ever noticed the flowers? Look at the flowers. They bloom. They just bloom. They do their thing. They grow. They bloom. And, and yeah, frost comes and they go away, but the next year, guess what? They come back, they bloom. Yeah. He said, don't you know that God takes care of the flowers? You never see a flower going, am I going to bloom? Am I going to bloom? They just bloom. They do their thing. God takes care of the flowers. And he wants you to know that you mean so much more to him than the flowers of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow. You're, you're eternal. You're forever. And if God takes care of the birds and the flowers. Don't you think he's going to take care of you? So Jesus said, don't worry. Don't worry saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For the pagans run after all these things. People who don't believe what you believe about God. People who don't put their trust in God. People who don't say God is in the first place position of their life. They, they get overwhelmed with that. You shouldn't be overwhelmed with that. And besides, your heavenly father knows your Heavenly Father knows. He's fully aware of what your needs are. He's tracking with you. So seek Him first. Put Him in first place position, first place loyalty, first place priority over everything. To seek God first in your finances is to acknowledge Him as the source of everything you have. The provision to meet your needs and the guidance for managing the guidance for managing and making decisions in a way that honor him 
not just financially, but in every area of life. But we're talking about money here, so certainly. To acknowledge that everything belongs to him and we are his stewards. We are managers. Literally, we are servants and he is our master. We talked about that in the kingdom series, how we serve King Jesus. And so every part of our life, even our money, falls under that reality. Seek him first. Many people, including myself, see this seeking him first as the primary, not the only, but the primary motivation for giving financially to God through the local church. Yeah, because see, when I, when I write a check or I give online and I give to the summit, you know what that does? That reminds me who's the source of all things. It reminds me who's first in my life. It reminds me that I worship him first and foremost. It reminds me that this money thing is a spiritual issue first and most. It's the primary motivator. This whole seeking first of giving. And a lot of people experience the very same and would agree. Seeking him first. Now, I know you want to. I know you mean to. I know you intend to one day, right? Boy, that would be nice. Maybe one day we can. Here's something interesting. Uh, Andy Stanley, I talk about him from time to time. He's been a big influence in my life. And um, their church in Atlanta have had a big influence at, at our church. And he said something a couple of years ago when he was teaching on money that I heard. And it was so bold I didn't, I didn't want to try to say it because I don't know if I could get away with it. So I'm just going to quote it. I'm going to put it on screen and quote it. Okay? Like, this is what he said after teaching this passage. Until Jesus is first in your finances, Jesus isn't first. You're not a follower. You're a user. See what I'm saying? I wonder why he didn't get fired after saying this. You're not a follower. You're a user. No, not me, not me. No, I get it, I get it. Here's the deal. We all want God to bless us, right? I want God to bless me. I want Jesus to bless me. I want him to provide for me. I'm looking to him. God, help me, God, help me. And I'm looking to God to take care of my needs. But put him first, and what does that really mean? And how I do finances from, from budgeting to spending to saving to giving and all of that doing money his way? I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a lot. That's, that means I'm going to have to change some things. That means I may not buy this. I may do that instead. That means, hmm, I don't know. But, oh, God, please bless me. See, we, we, we're users more than we're followers a lot of times. It just, it just reminds us money really is a spiritual issue. That's what this comes down to. It's what everything comes down to. But this comes down to money being a spiritual issue. But who or what? You serve and trust. And it affects everything. That means earning money is a spiritual issue. How you go about earning money. How you go about doing that. What motivates you? What drives you? What's really behind? We're going to talk about motive in this series. We're talking about motive. What's the real motive for why you earn the way you do and what drives you and gets you up in the morning? That right there is a spiritual issue and needs to be submitted to God himself because he's first. He's first overall, right? How you earn money is a spiritual issue. How you spend money is a spiritual issue. Well, that's nobody else's business what I do with my money. Oh, it most certainly is because, let's remember, it ain't your money. Everything belongs to God. Everything I call mine is God's. Everything you call yours is God's. And we are stewards and managers because we are servants and he is the master. How I spend money is a spiritual issue. And how I save money 
It's a spiritual issue. Living on less than I make so I can save. And getting to a point where you live on less than you make so that you can save. It's just responsible and it's a spiritual issue. And when I give and how I give, that is a spiritual issue. Acknowledging God as the source of all things. And everything comes from him. And I am a manager. I am a steward. And I give back to him. I give to him. I, I, I give financially to acknowledge those things. Because all of this is a spiritual issue. It's all a matter of the heart and affects my relationship with God and other people. It's all a matter of the heart. Money is never, 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 never just about the money. May we Put God in his rightful place. First position, loyalty over all things, including, including financial things. Let's pray. Our Father, we acknowledge the ickiness and stickiness and awkwardness of this, and we acknowledge that we need to hear it. I need this reminder. We all lose our way. We all forget these things from time to time. We all forget that truthfully, money is the biggest competitor to first place loyalty in our lives to you. And so, Father, we need this reminder to come back to a place where we acknowledge you first and foremost and help us to not just say it, but then live it out and do something about it. You are our master. We are your servants. And everything in our life should take its cue from you. So may we honor you with every part of our life, even and especially our finances, because our hearts are so affected by money and financial things. So, so Father, we declare our loyalty to you. To put you first over all things and trust you with the rest to trust you to provide for us and to take care of us as you promised to do. Not that we won't ever face trials, not that we won't ever face needs, not that we won't have struggles because often it's those struggles that grow us the most. But yet it's an exercise in trusting and putting our faith in you time and time again. And you promised that you got us. In Jesus' name, amen.